0: A proper go around and try to on your friends and family yet you should totally do it because it just makes you feel like a little more laid back and tropical and i live in new hampshire and it's not tropical here so i like to say aloha anyway tomorrow is thanksgiving yay um that came very quickly i cannot believe that it is the end of november 2020 Do you remember March of 2020? Um, It's weird. I feel like it was both yesterday, but I also feel like it was about 10 years ago. Uh, I was thinking back yesterday to April or maybe May um, when I was talking to Sarah Dennehy on the phone about Best Buddies New Hampshire 2020 Champion of the Year. You may recall that Sarah was a guest on my show and the gala just happened this past weekend. Well, back in May when we were chatting, she was still planning on it to be in person. But as with most things, um, it went virtually this year. And as I said, it was this past weekend. So thank you to everyone who donated to my campaign. I'm pretty sure that I came in like dead last or maybe second to last, but I did raise over $3,000 for Best Buddies New Hampshire. And that is what matters. The winner was Jenna Baggs who some of you may know, and she raised $14,000. And I think the event was a really good demonstration um, in the power of coming together to raise money. In other virtual news, Thanksgiving is going to look very different for us here at La Casa de Aborn. Ooh, that's fun, too. Way more fun than just saying our house. Um, Yeah, so this year, it's going to just be the two of us, and we're not going anywhere because our family has decided to cancel getting together for Thanksgiving. I guess it's technically the three of us, if you count the other best friend, Clyde. This is a big bummer for me, and I'm going to tell you, we usually get together with Jason's whole family, and we spend like four solid days of laughing our heads off and playing games and being together, and it's just like a lot of fun and jewelry if you will and then we rinse repeat and do the entire thing all over again in December for like five days um but not this year this year we Jason and I are probably just going to you know warm up our tv dinner of frozen peas and sit there with our tv trees sipping diet coke and poking the other person when they start dozing off during jeopardy actually I'm kidding um we don't eat tv dinners and I actually can't stand frozen peas um that might be residual from my childhood but we are going to be making new traditions. I got a little gratitude stars jar, I don't really know any other way to describe it, Um, from a local place called The Voice of Clay in Brookline, New Hampshire. And I think that we're going to do a little thankfulness activity. My husband does not know this yet, but he will soon find out. Uh, we'll do that with that jar. And maybe maybe we'll create other new traditions for the, for just us. Um, you know, despite not being able to get together with everyone, I'm really feeling the season of gratitude this year. I actually just feel like a big giant walking ball of gratitude lately. Sometimes I just will like think about someone or something in my life and I start to get like all teary eyed. It's like a problem and I may or may not be getting <laughs> teary eyed right now. I'm telling you, this is a syndrome, Um, but having the holidays, having Everything lately looked differently, has really made me come to appreciate them and even like the little tiny things even more. And you know, before this, I already super duper appreciated our holidays. I don't really know how to describe it, but I guess the best way is that I really hit like the marriage lottery with Jason's family because everyone is just so genuinely happy to be together and we all have the very merriest of time. Um, and I'm just, I'm really going to miss them this year. So I want to tell you a little story. The other day I was driving to the grocery store and I had a bit of an appreciation realization, if you will. Before the global pandemic, um, I used to hate driving. I really did not enjoy being in the car. I would stress out about getting into a vehicle and just like travel in general. No bueno. now. Um, But I also used to do quite a bit of it. So I would be going from appointments to networking meetings to buzzing around here and there and everywhere. And I think the driving aspect of that was always like a real drudgery for me. But now, and granted, these are only like 20, 30 minute drives that I'm doing now, but now when I get to go like to the grocery store or something, it's like Fair Spieler's Day off. I get all dressed up and I'm just like ready to have the time of my life. Um, this past weekend I went to the grocery store and I decided to like even take the long way home. I love listening to the radio or a podcast or you know, just driving in silence, but I really am starting to like appreciate it more when I get the opportunity to take those wheels out for a spin. And I even think that Clyde likes riding in the car better now because he will just hop right in no matter where I'm going rather than be like a weirdo about it, which he used to be. And then when I get to the actual grocery store, it's like just truly lovely. I like float down the aisles. I'm not kidding. I like hop on the cart and like sail down the aisles. Um, and the store's just like a, it feels like a glistening snow globe. And it's like this experience of wonder and delight every single time I go. I used to dislike the grocery store very strongly before. So my point being, I just really appreciate things more now that I get to do them. Um, you know, like even the people in the grocery store, I'm always like trying to like peek over their masks and look at their eyes and see if I recognize them. And I just like, I love being around my fellow human beings at the grocery store and I want to like hug them and send them all the happy vibes because we're hanging out in aisle six with the coconut oil. But I don't hug them because I think that would be weird. Um. Anyway, my point is, is that this year for me has done what everyone was saying that it might at the beginning of this whole pandemic. Um, And that is, it has given me more appreciation for and really be able to reframe the have-to's in our lives to get-to's. You can look at things either way, but when you look at things as a get-to, it's like your cup is just instantly full and you can't, you almost can't help but just feel grateful. So for example, like me saying, oh, I have to schedule all this stuff out for my clients or I have to do this. Nope, it's holy cow, I get to because I have clients. And side note, I love all of my clients so very much. Um, I have to run this meeting or get on this Zoom call. Changes to no, I get to, I get to because I have access to internet and there are people who want or need to meet with me. And it's the same with the holidays. You know, there are tasks that, Maybe you feel every year like you have to do, like you have to get gifts, you have to write cards, you have to do whatever else people do during the holidays, I don't know because we're not normal, Um, but even those little things this year, I have a whole new appreciation for, like every single card I write, I want it to be filled with intention and every gift that I buy, it's because I get to. And next year, or the year after next year, whenever we get to, um, I am so excited that I will get to be with my favorite people in the whole world again, reunited, and I will be smothering them with a lot of hugs that have been in the making. Um, So you better watch out. You better not cry. Auntie Emily is coming to town in 2021. Now, if I could only change the have to to a get to when it comes to wearing a bra, I feel like that is the one exception to this, but I digress. Um, Speaking of flipping the script and changing our language, our She Built This end of the year slash kickoff to the new year event is Thursday, December 10th from 7 to 8.30. And our theme this year is flip the script. And this is all about reclaiming your power. This year took a lot of things out of our decision-making hands. And, you know, in general, there are things in life beyond our control. So this year, we really wanted to bring in hope and inspiration. And so we have put together a lineup. Um, I will be co-hosting this event with Lindsay Taylor of Naughty Good Bites. And we have put together a lineup of three speakers who are going to be sharing messages of resiliency, positivity, inspiration, hope. And it's just going to be... Like the words we want to give you and the feeling we want you to walk away with is that you are ready to head into a successful 2021 Um, and maybe reclaim parts of 2020 if it wasn't such a good year for you. So we're going to be hearing from Karen Kenny. She's a writer, speaker, and spiritual mentor. We will also be hearing from Casey Matthews, who's a writer, writing coach, inspirational life coach, and speaker, and Shandy Welch who is hailing from the West Coast, and she is a coach um, to teams of physicians. So as you can see, these are three unique and exciting perspectives on what we've just been through and getting really clear as we move forward into 2021. And this is not going to be your average Thursday night Zoom call. This is going to be a fun, engaging, and interactive experience. And my true hope is that you will walk away inspired, challenged, and empowered. And I really like my my mission is just to connect the community of She Built This on a deeper level. And I want us all to feel like we are standing around each other and able to step forward into 2020 with more clarity and more confidence and more power. So still on the topic of flipping the script... This is exactly what I talk about with my guest, Charlene DeCesar, today. Sometimes she is known as Charlene Ignite DeCesar. You may have seen her online as that. Um, She is the founder of a unique sales advisory firm called Firewalk Sales. She's been a sales leader and trusted advisor for 25 years with a specialty in helping sellers of high value services grow their businesses in a way that is real, easy, and very powerful. She's a certified brain based success coach, a certified sales leader, and she also wrote the book on sales outreach called The Email Cemetery, where bad sales emails go to die and how to resuscitate yours. And this is a very fun interview. We don't just dive into sales. Um, but we also talk about how to take. We we dive into that email cemetery book, and we go six feet under, so to speak. And we're gonna take some of that like egomaniac language out of your emails and show you how your word choices give you away in terms of the confidence that you bring and the value that you're offering. And of course, since I don't think Charlene can help but share tips on productivity and mindset because that is her other wheelhouse, she shares on those as well and, and details about her upcoming book. So I hope you'll enjoy this episode. I hope you're listening while you cook today or prepare for tomorrow. And I'd love to hear if your holiday has um, been altered at all this year and what it's looking like for you. But without further ado, I bring you my interview with Charlene DeCesar. Hello, Charlene, and welcome to the She Built This podcast. Hello. Charlene was actually my first ever like business coach. I think that's what you were calling yourself at the time.
1: Yeah, that's so funny. I was thinking of that too. Um, I was just starting to do individual coaching and yeah, I think you were one of my first individual coaching clients.
0: Yeah. So you helped me all with my messaging and speaking to my ideal client and it it was very helpful in especially what I'm doing now.
1: Yeah, it's great. And I'm so excited to see what you've accomplished and everything that you've built, uh, including She Built This. It's uh it's like, I'm like, I hate to say it, and I hope this doesn't sound condescending in any way, but I'm like a proud mom sometimes when I see all the amazing things that you're doing. I always knew you were going to do amazing things, even when you you know had your shop and uh, you were trying to figure out how to build that. I'm like, wow, she's just going to change the world someday. So Oh, you're so you know, nice. You Thank you. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm excited to have you. And I did read your bio um, or intro before you got on, but I'd love for you to tell folks, what you do from your perspective.
1: Yeah. So really my mission in life is to help business builders uh, grow their business in a way that is not painful for them or their customers or prospects. Uh, So I am a sales uh, trainer, sales advisor, uh, and sales coach.
0: It is funny that I think we all think that like slogging through or struggling or having it be painful is like a badge of honor, but it simply does not need to be that way.
1: It's so true. And I think, you know, that you're right. I mean, this is old programming. A lot of people have that, you know, and then there's memes you see all over the internet, like, you know, the like, uh, you know, hard work wears overalls and, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and feels like work you know otherwise they call it leisure or playtime you know I've, I've all I've heard all, all of these things and yet I know that life is short and I want to wake up every day and look forward to my day feel like I'm really creating an experience of a life I want to live and most importantly be a person that I want to be and so much of what we learn about how to quote unquote sell or you know, how hard it is to build a business is um, contrary to that. It's like, okay, you just got to like buckle up and struggle through. Like it's just part of the territory. And I just, I really don't ascribe to that.
0: So I definitely want to get into some of your story and talk about, you know, where you are now in relation to where you've been. But before we do that, I want to dive into that um, how you do help people to, like, let's say somebody's in a position that they don't love right now. How do you kind of help them to work through that? Or what are some of the tactics and techniques that you've used to create a job and career that you love?
1: Yeah, I mean, the approach that I take uh, is really three steps. Uh, so the first is mindset. The second is message. And the third is method. And so with mindset, you know, that's where it all starts. Um, One of the things that I did actually since I think uh, after you and I were working together is I went and got a certification in brain-based coaching and really did a deep dive into kind of how we think, how we can change the way we think for success. And um, so starting with that mindset, removing the head trash, uh, helping someone discover their core values, all of that is kind of the first step. And then from there, then we can figure out like what's the right message and the right sales approach. Uh, But really, that first step is my favorite because that's where all the magic happens. The rest of it in a weird way is kind of easy.
0: Yeah, that makes total sense. Um, You have to work through some of those self-limiting beliefs before you can really have a successful business of any kind, so... All right, so let's talk about where you are now, as opposed to where you, like, let's talk about some of the maybe plot twists <laughs> along the way.
1: Yeah, you know, um, I know a lot of the people probably listening to this and a lot of people in your your groups, um, Emily, are, you know, entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs or small business owners. Um, and so I, I always hope that I can be a little bit of an inspiration there because my experience Almost six years ago, coming out of the corporate world, really wanting to pave my own path, start my own business. It was rough, man. Like, especially socially, my um, IRL friends, we'll say, uh, and some family, you know, they were really not excited about me leaving the corporate world. And it's interesting because I'm getting ready to do a TikTok on this very topic. Um, But I would hear things like, when are you going to get a real job or isn't that kind of selfish or how are you going to pay Mm -hmm. your bills or what about your family? So the beginning is, was hard, not because of what we're talking about, like building the sales, but more just dealing with the judgment of others. And then now, you know, one of the things somebody said to me, um, at the time, someone referred to what I do as a fake job, <laughs> and they're like, "When are you going to get a real job?" No way. Yeah, and so now it's funny because my husband and I a couple of years ago bought um, a much bigger house, and you know now my business is in a much different place. And so whenever we spend money or do something fun, uh, or I even when I pay my mortgage, you know I always think, "Wow, it's amazing what a fake job will do for you." You know, <laughs> that's <laughs> that funny. Right. So you, you yeah, showed
0: yeah. them sometimes that's all we need is somebody to tell us that we can't do something and then it makes us go for it like 110% more.
1: Oh, you're not wrong. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah.
0: Um, all right. So one thing that Charlene has that I absolutely love, it's, it's hilarious. um. And I think we share this pet peeve. She has written a book called The Email Cemetery. Correct me if I'm wrong on any of this. And it's a collection of basically what not to send in your sales emails. And what I've been noticing lately is on, you know, email and on LinkedIn, you get these messages that you're like, okay, this person has no idea who I am, what I'm doing. I get a lot for pitching the podcast, actually. And I'm like, they have never heard this podcast in their entire life. And it's very obvious. Mm -hmm. Um, So let's talk about that book and how you decided to write the book and then a little bit more about what's in it.
1: Yeah. So the uh, full title of the book is The Email Cemetery, where bad sales emails go to die (laughs) and how to resuscitate yours. And really, you know, it started with uh, exactly what you said. It was like a pet peeve. I would get these awful emails, especially on LinkedIn or They would show up in my inbox. So, I had started a blog or a section of my blog that was actually for my own entertainment, where I would take these awful emails, write something funny about why they were so bad. And then over time, I started to use that to create sort of case studies for what to do instead. And I had met this publisher at one of my National Speaker Association conferences. And he said, you know, have you ever thought about turning the email cemetery like that little section of your blog into a book? Because I think it would be so saleable. And if you're willing to do it, we'll publish you. Uh, And I was like, really? Like this thing that I do on Sunday mornings for my own entertainment, I can make a book out of it. And so that was in at the end of August. And I published the book on November 13th, like just a couple of months later.
0: Awesome. And I read it and it had me cracking up. So. But it's so true. Like the emails you used in there. I mean, I know you used some real ones, but there's just so many things people put in their emails. And I'd love for you to give some examples that are just so icky. And you read them and you're like, ew, this is not how to sell me anything ever.
1: Right. And the funny thing is they are all 100% real. Every email in there is email that I actually got. I just changed the name to protect the poor souls who were definitely not reaching their sales quota. (laughs) Um, And I'll say that I wrote it to be entertaining. You know, one of the things, and I guess feds have any advice as we're talking about this for other business builders is, you know, a lot of people encourage me to write a business book and I just so didn't want to write a book that I didn't want to read. (laughs) So I did write it to be a little bit of comedy, to be a little sarcastic and something fun to read. Uh, And People write such bad emails that I had plenty of fodder. Um, so the book is organized into personas. So there's eight different kind of main mistakes that people make. Uh, for example, the egomaniac, and and I, you know, one of the things we've talked about, Emily, is what's really the biggest mistake that people make. And I would say the egomaniac encompasses that, and what that sounds or looks like in an email is, hi, my name is, I do X, I would love to, I would like to, Um, I would want to meet with you. Here's my calendar. Please click on my link and schedule time with me so I can talk more about me.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And, and to, and, you know, as we go through these, like we also, of course, see this on social media all the time too, you know, and I just, I tell my clients, all of the time. Like it's I know you want it to be about you so bad, but it's not.
1: <laughs> no, yeah. You know, and it's just it just I think some of that comes from again, just you know, we we get excited about our business. And so that the tendency is wanna talk about what we do. And as you said, it's it's really not about us. It is about the people we serve. And in fact, when I work with people on mindset, and I have a course as well, we talk do a lot on mindset. The second step in mindset is to actually do a deep dive into the heart and mind of the people you serve or the people you want to serve, because everything revolves around that. Um, and so the message has to reflect that they convert first. Uh, and uh, as a heads up to one of the things I'm working on now uh, is a, a, basically a set of cards uh, where on one side is what not to say. And then if you flip the card over, you can see actually what to say instead. So I hope people don't think I'm just always critical of these emails. I do try to also like give suggestions for, to how to make them better.
0: Oh, can you give us an example of one of those?
1: Yeah. So the second persona in the book, I'm just reaching from one of these cards. The second persona in the book is the apologizer. And these, this is really common for people who, Our helpers, the generous spirits of the world. And these are usually people who resist quote unquote selling the most. So they might send a follow up email that starts with something like, sorry to be a pest, but, or sorry to bother you, but, right? Uh, I'm so so, guilty
0: of this. First of all, I'm over here raising my hand.
1: (laughs) Yeah, right. Because, and again, that starts with mindset. So the message will always betray the mindset. And One of the things that's so important, if you find yourself apologizing, it means you haven't tapped into the real value of what you do. You know, really, if you're approaching the sale like they're going to do you a favor by, like, talking to you, basically, um, you know, that should tell you something about how you perceive your own your own value. And so, the mindset shift in there is say, "Wow, you know what." they actually need me. Like I would, I would feel bad if we didn't connect because they're going to continue to struggle or they're going to work with someone who's not going to take care of them. And and it almost shifts from being like an apologizer to an apology for reaching out to an apology for not reaching out. Right. Or yeah. sort of, and, and really the, the shift in that. So in this case, like on one side of the card, it says, sorry to be a pest, but And on the other side, you know, a word track that you could use instead is the reason for my professional persistence is, and then you would say something like, you know, I see that you are struggling to build your business uh, or you posted that you're trying to make enough money to pay your bills. And clearly this has been a real struggle for you. Uh, I believe I can make it easier. Let's chat, you know. Much different kind of approach than if I say, Sorry to bother you, but would you be interested in hearing more about my coaching services? Right? right. Like totally different, right?
0: Um, okay, take us through one more persona just to kind of give people a little sample.
1: Oh, the other one that's really common is the overwhelmer. Uh, the overwhelmer uh, is someone who sends an email that's too long. Usually there's lots of exclamation points because they're so excited about what they do. (laughs) Uh, And often they have links and attachments. And, you know, it really, again, this is a great example where uh, I talked about the the message will betray the mindset. It will also betray the method or the process. So what overwhelmers suffer from is they are trying to sell in one email or one Facebook message. Uh, this is very common with um, people who have network marketing businesses, for example, uh, and they have lots of information from their upline or from their uh, the people that are in their, their business group. Uh, and I find salespeople who work for companies that have great marketing also do this. They just want to take everything that they have and just like... It's like a fire hose, just like, here's all the reasons you want to work with me. It's really great. Click on this link. Here's an attachment. Here's another reason. Here's a testimonial. And you can feel, right, as I'm doing this, you're like, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. (laughs) But that's what it's like to be on the receiving end. Um, And so the fix for that and the mindset to think about, this is where tapping into your customer's mindset is so important because if the person you're trying to reach is stressed and overwhelmed, and let's face it, who's not, right? Um, Then the last thing you want to do is send them a hella long email with a bunch of what I would consider homework to do, which is what you're giving. When you ask somebody to click on a link or go to your calendar or read an attachment or watch your video, you're essentially giving that person homework, right? So when you tap into the mindset of your customer, you won't do that. And then from a process perspective, you're going to identify that it's going to take, on average, statistically, it takes five touches to get someone to have that first conversation. So if you're trying to do it in one, you're really putting yourself at a disadvantage because it's just not going to work.
0: This is so valuable. And um, I think it's so fortunate for people to have somebody with your help on the messaging, because that is where I see people struggling the most is like I have all these things I want to say I know it's valuable but how do I say it like how do I take how do I add value to the person that I'm delivering it to and take the focus basically off of yourself so this is a very handy relationship to have in your back pocket
1: yeah and and that's why I love focusing on The emails and I, it's often a sort of a diagnostic for me because I can tell a lot. I'm like, uh, you know, they're like my tarot cards. You know, (laughs) these emails. You know, I can read into the message and tell you what's what's probably holding you back mentally, and then also as a business, which is another thing, is just really thinking about the business implications of these things. Um, How do you? Uh, approach it so that not only is it easier easier mentally, it's also easier from a sort of a real practical and tactical perspective.
0: Yeah. And from a marketing perspective, I think inviting your customer really along, like you were talking about those touches, and I think really inviting them to to engage with you and make those touches almost like more That noun sounds weird, but like friendly, you know, like you're like, hey, let's get a cup of coffee. Let's have this chat. Let's talk about this instead of just like making the touches all you bombarding their inbox.
1: Well, and I'm so glad you said the word marketing because a lot of people don't know the difference between marketing and sales. And so the idea is to create an approach so that the there's an intersection of sales and marketing. And what you'd want to do is focus your marketing to be more of that one-to-many. You know, when when somebody gets your newsletter, they know that you didn't customize that newsletter to them, right?
0: Okay, so, wait, that's actually not true because some people think i do it. Just oh, really? Them.
1: Yeah, that they're like, you're speaking right like, Well, Let's put it this way. Right. If your messaging is great, which yours is... They will feel like you're speaking to them, but they understand that this is a one to many effort. Whereas, oh, sorry, <laughs> no, that's good. yeah. She's like literally like, oh my gosh, hi Emily, thanks for yes, coming yes, out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's great. I love it. I love it. Um, and what happens though is when you get that LinkedIn message though the expectation is that it should be a one-to-one connection, right? Like you expect when you get the, hi, Emily, you know, let's connect because of X, Y, Z. And that's where people fall down because they treat the one-to-one. So I would put a Facebook message in that, many emails, certainly phone calls. In my mind, those are sales efforts that have to be highly customized Mm one-to-one efforts. And then that is supported by your one-to-many marketing effort. And they all follow similar principles, but it's very different uh, when you get into the actual message and also the the method or the, the approach to it is also going to be a little different.
0: Um, okay, that's great. So do you want to get into what people like some definite do's and don'ts when folks are trying to increase their sales?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, the first thing is if if we sort of think about the mindset is just really take that time to get focused on who you serve and understand what they think and feel and why they need you. That why is, again, like that is the secret to your success because so often we focus so much on trying to define what we do and how we do it and what the products are, for example. I tend to work with a lot of people who do services because my background is high value services, and it's true for products as well. It's it's really not about the products. It's it's about how people feel when they use the products or the transformation you create through your services. And the only way you'll know what that is, is if you're very focused and clear on who you serve. So that's sort of the first do, like make sure you're very focused. If your elevator pitch or your networking intro includes the words, anyone who, <laughs>
0: mm,
1: that's a good time. I, hear, I now, hear that now. so often. <laughs> right? Well, we've been at meetings. We've been at networking meetings together where somebody will say, you know, a great person for me is anyone who has teeth. It's like, okay, yeah. well, I mean, I know a lot of people have teeth, but I wouldn't know who to send your way, you know? So um, it's, it's not about... You know, the, it's, it's about getting more focused and thinking about, again, that sort of psychographic and what they might be experiencing or struggling with, uh, the problems they have that you can solve. That's really where you want to focus. And then when you get to the message, a uh, really easy thing, just audit and edit your message for the words I, we, my, the name of your company. And just change all of that so it's very you focused. It's about the person you're serving. Uh, that's an easy, you know, kind of switch to make. Uh, in some ways, it's hard. That's why I'm making these cards because I say it's easy, but then people are like, "Well, what do I say instead? I don't, I don't know what to say instead of like I would love to meet with you." Like that, people just don't, you know, know what what to do. Um, another big mistake is the um, "I wanted to" or "I want to." This is one of those like I get on my soapbox like don't e- almost like don't even get me started.
0: Oh yeah, go ahead, get started.
1: <laughs> uh, when like you get these emails, I wanted to invite you to this event we're having tonight. It's like, "Okay, well you wanted so, to and you Yeah, are, so do it. <laughs> right? So, the takeaway is like read your own words and things like yeah. I want to, I wanted to like you don't need to like save that for your you know your your hidden motivations for your therapist or your cat or whoever you talk to.
0: <laughs> it's the the power of our language even just on a subtle level is so crazy. I I do this editing with the words but and just mm-hmm. because I find myself saying but and just in a place where it just well, there we go. It's either diminishing what I'm saying or canceling what I had just said before it. And so I think it's so important when you are sending something like your words are powerful, but also how you say your words are powerful.
1: Yeah, and I think you know the overall takeaway is, is to read everything you write, you know, or watch when you're when you're talking, sort of listen to yourself and um, have that awareness. And it's not easy. I'll tell you, I've been doing a ton of videos lately and recording this course, and I catch myself with the just and the really and the sort ofs. So, I mean, it it's about progn- progress, not perfection. And also, it's worth working on it all the time. Agreed. See, I didn't um, out there. I, I almost did, and I caught myself. I said, and. <laughs>
0: Um, all right. So I want to, uh, just the writing question, how was it writing a book for you in general and, and getting it published? How was that process?
1: So once I started writing, it was remarkably easy, like so many other things in life. Uh, I It's something I've wanted to do for many, many years. I've started a few other books. Uh, I've been telling people, oh, I'm writing a book, I'm writing a book so many times and for so many years that I'm actually embarrassed, or I was embarrassed when a few people would say, how's the book going? And I'm like, "Uh, oh, you know. So what helped me was one, to have someone else holding me accountable. So one of the things that my uh, publisher did, and just a shout out to Ignite Press so funny because I'm Charlene Ignites and I used a publisher called Ignite Press.
0: Which oh, that wasn't planned. <laughs> it wasn't
1: planned at all. It was totally just a coincidence that we met. Um, but one of the things that I um, actually paid them to do was to coach me and meet with me every week, uh, so that I would be accountable. And I've tried other accountability partners and things and not been as successful. So it helped me to have that, have some money put into it with the you know into the accountability. And then the other technique that I used is um, something called the Pomodoro method, which I used in an app called Focus Keeper. And I don't know if you're going to add links or um, other things yeah, to I'd, this, right? I'd love that. So you can add like Focus Keeper to this or link to the Pomodoro method. And what it essentially is, is it's a it's a method of work sprints. So one was that I calendared my writing time. I, I scheduled time to write and then once that time came, even if I didn't know what I was going to write, or I didn't want to write, or I wasn't in the mood to write, I just made myself do it. And I did it in these 25-minute work sprints. And I found that once I got the momentum, it was really easy. Uh, it just it took me... There was a, a long period of time where I was procrastinating because it just felt too big. And so knowing that I only had to write for 25 minutes and it didn't have to be good, was one of the things uh, that helped me a lot.
0: It's so funny that works for so many things. Um, I think it works for when you're feeling super overwhelmed and you have a ton of tasks staring at you. It helps if you aren't feeling motivated to exercise. It's like you don't need to do anything; just go for a ten-minute walk. You know, just put on your sneakers and walk to the mailbox. And I think once you, I mean, I, I'm sure you cut yourself off after that fit fifteen minutes, but. If you give yourself that, okay, I'm only going to do this for 15 minutes, chances are you can pretty much get anything done.
1: Yeah. And yeah, so often I would just keep writing, you know, the 25 minutes. I would do four blocks of 25. So I was always writing for at least usually two hours, but, you know, because I had such a deadline. And so I knew I'd also planned out how many words I had to do each day. So I had clear goals and milestones. And ultimately it comes down to this other... Thing that I have always subscribed to, which is small things done over great things planned. This is really hard for perfectionists. Uh, there's a very close connection between perfectionism and procrastination, which I can relate to. And um, and so it is just willing to be imperfect, willing to do a small thing imperfectly instead of waiting to do that big thing perfectly. And you know, depending on our programming and how we were brought up and all, how much head trash we have, sometimes that hurdle, it, you know, can feel pretty daunting.
0: Hmm. I've heard that quote from you before, yeah. and I really, really love it. I unfortunately am not a perfectionist. <laughs> I'm just like, do it.
1: That's good. Um, That's all right. You're doing all the cool things you're doing because it has its know.
0: pros and cons.
1: <laughs> yeah, but you know what you're putting like what I love and, and I believe that I've done this with different things too. It's just sometimes like, I'll just put something out there. And there was a, one an instance where I started a course um, It was back when I was doing focusing a lot on fitness and sort of fitness motivation, uh, You know, being inspired by having lost 60 pounds and, and all of that. But my sister, at one point, she said, oh, that was my idea. And I'm like, well, maybe it was your idea like 10 years ago and you just never did anything with it. But like... You know how many times right. have you heard somebody do something like, "Oh, like that was my idea." It's like, yeah, but they made it come alive. They made it exist, and you didn't. You know,
0: Elizabeth uh, Gilbert has a really good theory about that. So it's it's important to act upon the ideas that you know that you need to act upon.
1: Yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned Elizabeth Gilbert. I am obsessed with her right now, and uh, I are you were referring to Big Magic. Was that Big? Yeah, like, yeah, yes. I mean, Love that book. And actually, total side note, but she has another book called City of Girls. I just. I'm reading that right now. Oh, you are? Oh, I love that book so much. Yeah. I, I, it's just flying by a little
0: too quickly. I love it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Total side note, but one of the questions people often ask me, you know, when we talk about books is what books I recommend. And they're usually expecting me to recommend a book like Big Magic. And if I'm pushed to recommend a, you know, like a self-help-ish kind of book. That'll be the one that I recommend. And I really recommend that, especially entrepreneurs, that you read fiction and you allow your brain to play and imagine, you know, bask in interesting characters and interesting stories. And you'll find lessons in there. Uh, But for, for brain health and for creativity, reading great writing is so important. And it doesn't have to be A boring business book in fact I recommend it's not
0: I'm so happy to hear you say this and I think just to your point like since we're on the writing train I think sometimes when you're reading a business book like let's face it a lot of the writing isn't great for business books and so giving yourself like like I find Elizabeth Gilbert's sentences to just be sometimes I'm like holy cow where did she come up with that Um, and it is you're right it's just such a nice relaxing treat for your brain
1: Yeah, it's and and also, like, I find that it inspires me, uh, you know, to do, to want to write that next blog or whatever I'm working on. Even though it's unrelated to business, it inspires me to want to be a better writer. And uh, yeah, it's, I'm a book nerd. I love books so much. Uh, I'm sure somewhere we're going to connect to, like, my social media and stuff like that. But uh, And I would say, if anybody wants to connect with me on Goodreads, I... Do you so know nice. about Goodreads, by the way? I know I know about it. I haven't really dabbled. Oh gosh. So, I mean, basically, if I could just real quick describe Goodreads, um, it is a place where you can keep track of all the books you read and the books you want to read. So you can have, a, you know, your wish list. And then you leave reviews and you make friends with people, often like mine's connected to my Facebook. So what happens is you get to know who has similar interests and sort of opinions on books that you have so you never are in need of like what should I read next there's just always a list there oh I love that and also sometimes I can't remember what I thought of a book so someone will say they'll mention a book I'm like oh I read that and then I'll go and read my own review to to be able to tell them what I thought so it comes in handy
0: do you know I read a book last month that I got about 75, 80% into the thing? And I was like, I've already read this entire book. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was devastating really because I I love to read and I don't like to like waste time. So
1: Yeah. Um, all know. right.
0: So are you writing another book?
1: Yeah. So the book I'm working on now, and we're going into November, which is national uh, nonfiction. Writers Month and there's a lot of challenges around writing. Uh, So going into November, I've been working on a book for several years actually, which is, it is actually a memoir uh, and I'm writing it to be comedy as like everything I write has a little bit of comedy to it. Um, So yeah, so that the working title is This Is What I Look Like. Uh, and it really is just going back to like the drama of my father, marrying, marrying my mother's sister and growing up in a household where there was, you know, al- alcoholism, drug addiction, uh, general chaos and dysfunction, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's really interesting because I'm working, I've been working on this book for a number of years. My sister who lives in Dublin, Ireland is also writing her memoir, and there, even though we have a lot of the similar stories, the books could not be more different. It's so oh, that funny. is so
0: interesting.
1: Yeah, it's really, and I haven't been read. She's only shared some of her books with book with me so far, but I I could tell already. We're just our approach is so different. Our memory of the same stories is different in some cases. So I'm I'm hoping that we can time it so both our books come out at the same time. Uh, and I just think it's going to be. And I, I, I have like in my own brain, like I sort of imagine that it's going to be like this big momentous thing, but who knows? I'm having fun anyway. So that's my next project.
0: I love that. Oh, I can't wait to read that. Um, All right. Uh, the My last question for you today is about social media and kind of your mindset and approach with social media. And I've also noticed that you have gotten into TikTok lately and you're kind of making it work. Like, I don't know what you're doing because TikTok to me, is not like usually anything that I keep looking at but yours are funny and engaging and they get to the point of sales
1: yeah and again this is just this is true for everything I do I'm trying to make things fun and easy and get to be myself right so I know I'm a weirdo and I embrace it a (laughs) hundred percent and my TikTok videos are a perfect way for me to express my inner weirdo and um And what's interesting about that, I think a couple of things, I mean, I'm still learning. I'm not by no means TikTok famous. You know, I have like, I don't know, 3,000 followers or something. So it's nothing crazy. Don't
0: be modest.
1: (laughs) But I I did have one video that got to 153,000. So that was kind of fun. Wow. Um, And this is like in a month. I've just really started. Meanwhile, I've been building my Twitter following. For, I don't know, 10 years and I've got like 14,000 followers on Twitter. But, you know, I just have always like found social media. I think when I haven't done well is when I felt obligated to post, which to some extent I'm a little in that. I would say I'm a little in that mode right now with Facebook where I'm just trying to be consistent and post something every day. What I love about TikTok is it really is inspired and creative and easy Uh, and, um, I'm really just addressing what I know are common, I guess, questions or things people are struggling with, or just something I can put on there to be funny. Um, and it's just the perfect platform for that. And then what I do is what has helped me even more is that I take that video, which is saved to my phone and I post it on LinkedIn, which is really where my audience lives. Mm -hmm. Uh, and because I'm a weirdo and because my videos are totally different from anything else you see on LinkedIn, I get a ton of attention. So my TikTok videos, for example, it's very common for me to get, I don't know, a thousand to 4,000 engagements. Um, whereas if I was getting a hundred engagements before, that was a good, good day. Do you
0: know about, uh, Instagram reels?
1: I do. I haven't. So I haven't gotten into that yet, just because like it's only so much time in a day. It is yeah. on my list to play around with. I, I've heard it's similar. Um, and interestingly, like the way I use my Instagram is very different from the way I use other platforms. Uh, what I, you know, what I try to do is really channel most of my true business building effort into LinkedIn and so I've picked TikTok as the way to create that some of that content. That said, I have actually gotten two coaching clients through TikTok um, and other opportunities where people have connected with me on either Instagram or LinkedIn and said, You won't believe this, but I found you on TikTok. And they're like the VP of business development for a giant technology company that are, Oh my
0: goodness. Right.
1: So I've I've actually, you know, one of the reasons why I keep doing these TikTok videos is because Like I would advise any business builder, you want to be looking at where you're spending your time and connect that to either you just love doing it, which is great. I'm all for just doing stuff you love to do. Um, And also, does it bring you revenue? I mean, at the end of the day, I'm coin operated. I hate to say it, but I I want people to make money. (laughs) And if they're working with me, that's what we focus on is making money. Because just getting better at doing stuff in your business without making money to me is not as much fun as making a crap ton of money, and so um, yeah. So TikTok, I've made—I mean, I've made many thousands of dollars off of TikTok, uh, and so even though I don't have the biggest following there, I feel like whatever I'm doing is is resonating. And the key is just I'm trusting my gut and just being myself. And I think for everyone, if you can do that on whatever platform you choose, you will find your people and you'll be successful.
0: Well, thank you. I think that, you know, when it really comes down to it, you're really changing organizations from the inside out because and and people from the inside out, because when you have the proper mindset and you're approaching people in a more genuine and authentic way, that whole entire engagement on their end and your end is changed. And so and Everybody is better for it because they're getting the value out of what you're offering and you're getting the value out of getting paid. So it's really amazing. It's life-changing if you think about it.
1: Yeah, and I think even beyond, you know, I mentioned I want to make sure people make money. My favorite emails are really, I I actually got one this morning. Somebody said, I've never had this experience where I felt like I wasn't even selling and it just really clicked and it felt easy and I just had my inner Charlene working there. And just doing what you told me to do, and I think in most cases, what I help people figure out is they are working way too hard, and they don't even realize it. And so, if I were to describe kind of how I make people feel, I would say the number one word, even beyond being ignited or energized or whatever, the number one word is usually relief. It's like the like the weight of the world has been lifted off their shoulders, and they're like. Oh, I just have to do this. Oh, I can do that. You know, like oh my gosh, you know, that's my favorite pivotal moment with most clients that I work with.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Um, All right, speaking of social media and connecting, let's tell folks how to find you online.
1: I so the so I go by Charlene Ignites, and I don't know if I told you the story. I actually became Charlene Ignites. On social media when i had a job i was in corporate like many you know 10 10 years ago or more um and it just it was a url and it was available on every social media platform so that's the i picked charlene ignites so if you're a new business owner or a new business builder a new entrepreneur i highly recommend it's one of the best things i've ever done which is find whatever you're going to use for your website and for your social media and be consistent across all your platforms And so I am, and um, I'm a good steward of that. So I'm Charlene Ignites uh, on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Goodreads, Pokemon Go, maybe. Oh, actually, it might be something different (laughs) than Pokemon. But yeah, (laughs) I'm everywhere. If you put Charlene Ignites, I'm one of the easiest people to find, which is always cracks me up when people say like how do I get in touch with you like I didn't know how to get in my <laughs> you know I'm I'm really easy to find and uh all right and I'm a connector I want to meet with people and hear your story so never hesitate to reach out to me
0: awesome and I can't wait to hear when that next book comes out
1: cool I'll let you know
0: okay thanks so much for joining us today and I hope you have a great rest of your day
1: I'm sure I will no doubt you too
0: To learn more about She Built This and to join our community and get involved for yourself, visit www.shebuiltthis.org.